Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everybody, we are going to be talking about our family rules, values, systems today. With the new school year starting, we just thought it'd be the perfect time to kind of run down what we do in our family for our essentials and just kind of our general schedules. But I'm going to start us off with a face palm today, and that is I have a certain addiction habit. No, well, say it's just a joy, a thing that I love, and that is chocolate peanut butter Tillamook ice cream. We make it mm. into milkshakes. So just add milk, whole milk has to be whole milk to the ice cream and kind of like blend it up with your spoon. Not like in a blender. Yeah, not a blender. You my, cannot blend it. My husband one time was trying to be, he's like an effective person. Yeah. So he learned about this and then he just made it in a big blender for our, because we have six people. Yeah. And it ruined it. Because so, it has these no. ribbons of peanut butter. Yeah. And if you blend them, it doesn't oh. work. Like you need the chunks. Mm-hmm. You need them. They're the best part. Anyways, so in fact, my husband is so nice. I make our shakes and I, Parker lets me like just have almost all the peanut butter. He doesn't even care. I know, which is true sacrifice. I know. Anyways, but my face palm is, it was on, the chocolate peanut butter ice cream was on sale at the grocery store. So when I ordered our groceries, I was just like, yes, just keep adding more and more (laughs) because it was like (laughs) way cheaper. (laughs) Well, yes. So we get it home to... Our, we live in, a, in our rental right now. It has the smallest freezer ever. I cannot fit it all in the freezer. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> no. So, luckily, just we it? just took some to my in-laws' house. They just live really close, put it in their freezer in their garage. But, guys, it was a lot of ice cream. <laughs> I was, like, trying to just shut the freezer, like, slam it in. So, high five to having a lot of ice cream, face palm to not taking into account the space that I don't have in my freezer for the ice cream. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, so then we just decided to eat it. Like, <laughs> we just had a big thing of ice cream. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, well, that is so yummy. I'm so happy you introduced. I'm not even an ice cream person, really, or a milkshake person. But those, it's making my mouth water just thinking about oh, it. Oh, they're so it's yummy. And the cool thing is you can give them to your kids. It sounds like more work stirring it by hand, but it's not. I just yeah. pour the milk in and let them stir their own, and it's great. Yep. I think one thing to note, though, if anybody tries this at home, you are, like, once you pour the milk in, you got to stir quick, because otherwise yeah, it kind of gets, gets icy. Yeah, it gets like, icy. It gets, like, chunks. Yeah. And that's not good. So yeah. just if, if you try it at home, you got to stir. Don't pour all the milk for your whole quick. family. Pour yeah. each at a time. And yeah. start with less milk, because I like mine runnier, but a lot of mm-hmm. people like theirs thicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can always add more. It's yep. true. But once you add the milk, you can't take it out. It's Very true. true. Okay, well, I'm glad we covered that very important <laughs> topic. Mine is a face palm. I always have known this about myself, but last week I was meeting Felicia somewhere, and it really hit home to me that this is a character. I don't know if you'd call it a character flaw, but definitely a face palmable <laughs> thing. When I am leaving the house, I have realized I am a sloth. (laughs) I told her I'm leaving, and I got to her house. She lives one minute away from me. I got to her house probably 25 minutes after I said I'm leaving. And I was, like, talking to her, and I'm like, I don't know what happened, 
I just left. Like, I was just walking out the door, you know, getting shoes. But we now have a system for shoes. Like, you just grab your shoes on your way out. They have, we have, like, benches for them. But then as I'm talking to her, so I really do think I want a video camera for myself. Like, do I, do I move in slow motion? Like, what? Because I feel like I'm moving fast, but I'm not. But then as I was telling her this, I think, first of all, yes, I think I move slow. Second of all, though, then I'm like, she's like, well, did you do anything else? I'm like, well, I did a load of, like, change the laundry. And I think as I'm leaving the house, I'm like, oh, got to do this, got to do that. Oh, grab this. So I think I'm actually also just adding 10 things to my list of things to do before mm-hmm. I leave. So I have two problems, moving slow. <laughs> and I just think I really, and this actually, now that I'm saying this, I'm having like an aha moment about myself. <laughs> I always think I can fit in more. Always. I'll say yes to two different things that are happening at the same time. And I think somehow I'm just going to go to both. Just half and half. And it never happens. I always just like miss the one or only get 10 minutes of the one. And every time I'm like, I can't be in two places at once. Why did I think I could do that? But I think it's a thing. I think, I think I'm just like, I'll just expand time. That'll work. It doesn't work. That's my face palm. Always. <laughs> I could do that face palm every day of my life, but I just had the realization <laughs> last week. So well, we all know that thing as a mom, too. I, like, will put my kids in the car, and they're, like, all in and buckled, and then I'm like, all right, yes. so now. <laughs> they're, they're strapped, strapped. in. <laughs> <laughs> you can now just run around. So I, like, do, like, five trips in and, like, start the dishwasher and grab this, grab that, and it's really an efficient time, so. It is. That could be hard. Yeah, yeah the kids true. were, yeah, I do love once they're strapped in. It's quite nice. <laughs> like, have fun. They can't wreak havoc. <laughs> go take a nap. No, that's dangerous. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm just imagining, you know, have you guys seen Zootopia? Yeah. yeah, like the sloths uh-huh. at the DMV. I'm like picturing this, like talking really slow and like grabbing the laundry. I don't know. I love that. <laughs> the sloth is a perfect imagery. Oh. I love it. Okay, well, mine is a high five. Um, this last week was my husband Cameron's 30th birthday, which is a big, it's a big birthday. And I was feeling kind of a lot of pressure from myself, from no one else, from myself (laughs) to just make it good. And I've kind of, I'm like such a planner. And so this whole, honestly, like the whole last year, like anytime I've thought of something to do for his birthday, I've like written it down. And with COVID, it has thrown a wrench in some of my plans mm-hmm. that I was going to do that was going to be really big and I knew he was going to like it. So then it even added some more pressure to just make it so good. And anyway, now that it's said and done, it really was so good and I loved it and he loved it. And so I just felt so like, I feel like the whole week leading up to it was great. And then we like went to Park City for the weekend, which was so fun. So it was a total high five. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard you talking about it, and it sounded amazing. First of all, just to get away on a weekend without yes. your kids. And when it's your first, it's, like, kind of anxiety I was, I was totally apprehensive. Yeah. yeah. But then did you love it? It was so great. Yeah. I really was, like, I was a little nervous because it was the first time leaving Emmett for longer than a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of worried. But then he had so much fun. I feel like we would FaceTime him sometime, you know, a couple times over the weekend. And he would just, like, look at us, smile for a minute, and then just keep, like, throwing rocks right. at Grandma and Grandpa's head. Like, he was, like, I'm, like, he's fine. Yeah. So it really was so worth it, so worth the time. And it was a perfect blend of, like, me and Cameron time. We, like, had relaxing time. We did really fun stuff. It mm-hmm. was, like, mm-hmm. the best. So that's so fun. Birthdays are the best. It was awesome. It was awesome. So we, today, we thought it would be really fun and hopefully helpful for all of you to go through, um our daily schedules and systems that we do because each of our families are so 
unique and in different stages right now um, that we wanted to kind of run that down for you guys, what we do with our kids in the day, and then some big picture values and intentions that we've set for our families that are kind of woven into those routines um, within our day to day. So Caitlin's going to start us off talking about her schedule. And real quick, just a little interjection there. We are super inspired by the book, The Entitlement Trap by Linda and Richard Ayer or Ayer. Mm -hmm. I read it first when my when my first was a baby and so I've read it this is my third time through it so we're going to kind of incorporate some of their things so some of our uh, value systems are based on their work and some of it we've just made our own so as we talk we'll just we'll know some of that comes from them and it's mm -hmm. awesome mm -hmm. totally yeah I feel like there's so much from from it and I so I only have the one-year-old baby and a lot of it, I feel like, can really be implemented well as your kids get older. But there are so many things that I was so excited about, too, to kind of start now. Yeah. Or even that I have maybe already been doing, but just kind of like adding some things to it. So, like I mentioned, I am like totally a planner. I love it. I actually like feel like it fuels me a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. I, I love it. And I don't know, Cameron is okay with it, but... Um, Honestly, the book actually made me even feel better about my planning mm -hmm. abilities. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the things, so at the beginning of every week, I love like going through the whole week, what we've got going, and then not only just like agenda items, but I love going through like my goals, if Cameron has any, um, obviously my baby, it would be me having any goals for him, which I don't, <laughs> I don't totally have that, but mm -hmm. I mean... It's not like he's making his own goals, mm -hmm. but when he gets older, maybe we'll. we'll We've add that scheduled in. in that time for a weekly meeting for Emmett to have his goal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> then we turn the it's time over now. to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can just plan. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I do love the weekly planning just because it gives me like an overview of like what we've got going. And for me and Cam, again, we don't have kids who have tons of different scheduled things, but it's really nice, nice to know like what we've got going. If we can help each other with anything, and I love like kind of coordinating, like getting in sync, and mm -hmm. that's like a good time for us. Um, and I know that probably with you guys, with having kids, maybe that's probably a much more of a, like, well, I think that's a great habit to start now getting in that like ritual of, okay, every week we kind of check in with the week because all of a sudden overnight stuff just slaps you in the face with kids. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wait, I went from having nothing at all mm -hmm. to something every single night. And it's like, we've got to get this under control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And kids like being a part of that. Yeah. So in, in the entitlement trap, they talk about infrastructure that sometimes it seems like it's going to be more work to have a system. Mm -hmm. But if you look at roads, the way roads are built in a city, uh, if you've been to a not well, very, very well planned city, the traffic is terrible. The roads are small. There's no organization and it's way harder. But the cities that take the time to make the wider roads from the beginning plan ahead, it probably takes a lot more planning at the beginning but make things way easier later. And that's how I feel about this family meeting you're talking about. Most of these systems that we're going to talk about today, they take a little more effort up front to like create, mm -hmm. but once they're created, it goes so much more smoother. And as your baby gets older, kids love this part of, we have our family meeting on Sundays mm -hmm. and they love them. We pull up the calendar. One of them gets to write in what's happening. They all know what each of them are doing. And it gives everybody kind of a sense of groundedness of like, mm -hmm. Ooh, okay, I know what to expect from the week. Mm -hmm. We've coordinated who's driving who, where, and instead, otherwise it feels like you're like unanchored, wild, mm -hmm. wild going into the week. 
But yeah, my kids like love it, especially if it's their turn to write on the calendar. You know, like yeah. it's a fun way to involve yeah. them. That's cool. So as Emmett gets older, you're gonna love like his Bringing participation it. in it. Yeah. yeah. I also love when I have little kids because I'm still. I would say I'm teetering on the edge of like you know Cohen starting to get into stuff, but mostly we we don't have a schedule that's set. But I also love looking at the week and looking at my days and saying, ooh, this day looks a little heavy. Like, mm-hmm. there's a little much here. Mm-hmm. Can we take something off or yeah. move it? Mm-hmm. It's very comforting as a parent because mm-hmm. when you get to those days, and sometimes you can't choose them, but where there's back-to-back, it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Totally. So No, I like that. Um, and with it, I think this kind of goes with any – like, if – if you as a listener hear anything that you're like, oh, I, I want to start doing that. Something that I heard on a podcast, this was years ago, but it was this guy who literally just picked, like he was like, I'm going to do something for 30 days. And then he just did that because, you know, mm-hmm. the studies show that if you mm-hmm. do it, I think that maybe the actual amount of days is maybe 21. But if you do it for 21 days, then it becomes a habit. But I love it, like with the weekly thing, if you're not already in the habit of like doing one of these infrastructure things, mm-hmm. if you pick it and it's like, I'm just going to focus on that for the next month then it will become, and it's totally, mm-hmm. it's not work anymore. It just mm-hmm. becomes part of your Something you do. Your thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, so I love, yeah, I love the weekly thing. And that's a good place to note that we're telling you all sorts of stuff that we've gained over years of deciding mm-hmm. what works. Mm-hmm. So you just pick what works for pick you and, and yeah, choose, choose mm-hmm. one thing to add at a time. If you try to add everything at once, it's totally overwhelming. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Because just listen to what we say and think that's going to work for my family. I want to try that. Mm-hmm. And just try that one thing and then mm-hmm. add another thing. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times we think, there's so much stuff. That's too many too things, many. and you yeah. just disregard all of them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good reminder. Um, okay, and then, yeah, with the daily thing. So, my, with just having the one baby, I feel like my daily routine is pretty, like, standard, pretty simple. So, I get up around 6.15-ish. Sometimes it's a little earlier, sometimes it's a little later, depending on if I'm going to a class or... Obviously, today I woke up way earlier for recording. <laughs> um, Too early. I was, like, groggy for the first hour of our <laughs> of our meeting. But, um, but yeah, and then so I get up, do the Miracle Morning stuff, do my, like, you know, meditation prayers, all of that good stuff, journaling, exercise. And then around between, like, 7.30 to 8.30 is when Emmett wakes up. And um, I, like, nurse him. We snuggle. Then we do... Um, breakfast and then always we go for a walk even if it's kind of later in the morning which now with summer if it's like 90 degrees sometimes it's not it might not be a very long walk Mm -hmm. but for me that really like for me that actually is one thing that I don't know like brings a lot of like peace I think Mm because he's just totally good and I love being outside so it's like a good time for me to almost just I don't know it like gets me in a good like mode for the rest of the day so I love that and then um we either have like playtime at home or with people before lunch so like if we plan you know any play dates or anything and then after lunch is nap time and usually right before nap time I just feel like it's a good at least I don't know if all babies are like this at this age but he is just so such a mover and so active that I feel like right before nap time is a good like reading we just read books Mm -hmm. for however long because he's he's like sitting and cuddling and it's good and I feel like it like winds him down for a good nap and um or I also do like bedtime stories too so either before nap or at bedtime we read definitely a few stories and something that I really loved and I've I remember reading this in Secrets of a Happy Family and then I was reminded of it again with the entitlement trap but I love um there's so many studies that talk about how if kids know the stories of like their families so like either ancestors or even it can just you know I think sometimes when I think of ancestors we think of like 
you know, five generations back, but even like grandma and grandpa, that kind right. of thing, or even just their parents' stories, it like builds resilience. And there's studies that show that kids who kind of know their family history have higher self-esteem, they're more resilient, and they're better at handling stress, which mm. who doesn't want that? So I've actually started, and I was reminded of again with the entitlement trap, but I've actually started, um, again for the 30th birthday, Cameron's mom actually gave him a book of like kind of Cameron's life it was like one of those That's digital cool. scrapbooks that you make oh. and again <clears throat> Emmett like is loving books right now like he'll go and find a book and like bring it to me wherever mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. and so um he actually did it to like Cameron's book that he got of his little like of his life and so it's cool because we can like look through and look at a picture and be like oh this is when dad was you know on the basketball team when he was seven and you know whatever um and I think you can make them as like moral driven or just like a cool story because I think that like anyway it's cool because I do feel like kids love that and it does bring a sense of belonging. So I've actually started to incorporate that a little bit into like, we obviously just read the normal board books, Mm -hmm. but then, and I know he's a baby, but even just like telling, he loves looking at that book anyway. So then we just tell a story that goes with that picture and it's been kind of fun. Even though he's small, I've like started to incorporate that a little bit in. Why do you, do you guys think, I mean, I think it is that sense of belonging that they feel like they're part of a bigger picture. Do you think that's the main thing that gives them all the gives our kids those benefits from knowing their their ancestors? This that anchored feeling. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's why? I, I think that. our need for belonging and connection is so strong. And I mean, if you look at what I mean, there's the negative peer orientation version of that. That when kids don't feel that in their family, gangs and negative peer groups have that pull because they offer belonging. I right. think I think it's so deeply in our genetic makeup that when you're connected and you belong, you're safe. And if you're kicked out of the society, you're not safe, right? And so I think it's so deep in us that if we can offer our children as much belonging as we can, then it just strengthens our connection and makes them feel safe. And they don't have to look for that other places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you guys want to go deep into that, I love the book, Hold On To Your Kids. Yes. Oh, Mm -hmm. so good. They talk. And I think in – and we we talked a little bit about this with Colin, but Colin Karchner last week on our episode about um, social media and how – there's such a pull for kids to peer orient right now for Mm -hmm. them to go away from their families and connect because we aren't having that connection at home. So they're trying to find it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that book, Hold On To Your Kids, goes deep into that. And I really love that book. So good. I want to read that one. I haven't read it. It's really good. Oh, it's so good. And the thing about screens is that they offer the allure of connection, but it's not a real connection. So you're still left wanting and it affects you a lot. Yeah. And I do have to say, like, just so with the sense of belonging and, like, knowing those stories, I think it's cool because, obviously, you can tell good stories of, like, you know, when someone triumphs, but I think you can also tell, like, maybe a story where even you made, like, a decision Mm -hmm. that you regret, and I think the kids learn from that, and I can think of, like, times growing up where, like, either my dad told me, I would, like, love hearing stories about, like, either his childhood or, and same with my mom, and I remember my mom telling stories, like, you know, she told a couple stories of her being bullied as a kid, and as a kid, it, like, really stuck with me of, like, why not, you know, because it was, like, it, anyway, so it's even those things where it's, like, I feel like those stories where it's even just your, you know, you as the parents can tell a story about yourself or about, you know, your ancestor, and I think that it, it really does build, I don't know, it builds something in them, so. Agree. And I think, like I said, I have loved even just starting it now. Um, even though he's a baby, I think it's kind of fun to like, we already read books. Why not make mm-hmm. some of those stories our own? Um, so yeah, so then during nap time, obviously for everybody, whenever your kids are asleep, it's like your own time to do whatever. 
And I feel like for a long, so for the last year, a lot of times during that nap time, I'm like, okay, what, what am I going to get done? What am I going to do this? But I've started to definitely try and weave in there things that I really like to do rather than just like chores that I want to get done. Cause mm-hmm. then I feel like it's good for me to have like that time. And, um, I also realized cause I, I would try to get so much chores. This is kind of a recent realization, like within the last couple months, but I would try to get so many things done while he was asleep. But then I realized I actually do want him to like, and even though chores are sometimes harder to do with him, I like want him to see me doing it. And right now, like he just loves being with me no matter what I'm doing. So it's like, if I'm sweeping, he kind of gets in the way, but like he loves the broom. Like he'll come over and he'll like follow me. And sometimes he'll get in my pile that I've gotten into and he'll try to put it in his mouth, which is like, I'm like, no, like not the dust bunny. But, um, (laughs) but I realized I actually got like these cute little cleaning supply things from Amazon and now he like has his own little sweeper. And again, he, I mean, he doesn't really use it that great because he's one, but, um, he does, he'll like follow me around with the broom and he also has this fake little vacuum and he loves, either he'll just like vacuum (laughs) kind of with me, which I wish the vacuum actually sucked. Me too. I'm like, okay. But yeah. side note here, they Dyson, I think it's Dyson, makes a tiny kid vacuum that <gasps> actually works. What? So I think that all the time I'm like, why? Why not? Like, why not just have a little Roomba yeah, going around? Like, exactly. he, he loves he vacuuming is. He anyway. Do it all day. Yeah. So so look into that. Yeah, I need to. <laughs> we'll link it. So there's certain yes. things. Yeah, there's certainly things like that where I realized, like, you know what? I not that I save all of my chores for when he's awake, but I realized actually that it has been beneficial. Because he likes it, and I feel like as he, obviously he's not super useful right now, but as he gets older, if he sees it as a positive thing that he gets to be with mom and, like, we're doing these things together, like, I'm hoping that it develops into, like, hey, this is a fun thing we get to, because I don't know, I remember certain things like that, either with my mom or my grandma. I remember doing dishes with my grandma and thinking it was so fun, but, like, I don't like doing dishes by myself, but, like, it was that connection time. So that was kind of my idea with it, and I loved reading it in the entitlement trap of, like, why not make that a part of my thing? He's one years old now, but why not just make that a part of our thing together? Mm. We do it. I also, sorry, I interrupt you, but I also think it's, it plays to the point of like coexisting with our kids. We talked about this in a previous episode where I think sometimes right now in society, we th- society, whatever, as parents, we think we have to get all of our stuff done in secret because then our whole life is just to serve them. our yeah. little child kings and all the things that they need. Mm-hmm. But really, I think it's so important for them to see we have needs. Our home has needs. We're coexisting yeah. here. I can be doing chores while you're doing your own independent thing. I don't have to be constantly, like, helping you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just starting small in that vein of we can all coexist and help this house mm-hmm. function. Mm-hmm. And these are things that need to be done no matter what. So right. if you're asleep, you know, it's like right. you might as well see that this is part of our household right. early on. Right. Hmm. And maybe learn to like cleaning. Right. I have <laughs> never achieved that. So if you can teach them while they're young, great. Okay, so I have a very important question for you then, for both of you. Do not take a nap. You know, you I didn't mention nap. I, <laughs> where's like the napping part of it? <laughs> Where's that coming? Um, you know what's funny? I don't feel like I a nap maybe happens like every like ten to fifteen times. I'll maybe nap. Like you know, like so. 10 to 15 times go by, and then maybe I'll nap. But it's only if I'm, like, really tired. I don't know. I've kind of, like, written it out of my schedule. Not because, I don't know. Are you not really a napper in general? I used to be a napper. This is weird. I used to be more of a napper before having him. But now I feel like just that time, it's almost like once I get going on things, I'm, like, not tired anymore. I've, like, worked up my energy to the point where I'm And you're getting enough sleep at night. 
that I think so. you're feel rested. Yeah. yeah. And before okay. he was sleeping through the night, for sure I napped. I mean, but okay. he also slept so yeah. much then too. So it was like I'd catch one of his naps and I would nap. Interesting. Because yeah. I think I've been a napper really until, I mean, like I couldn't through school, but even in college, I would nap. Even when I had a full-time job, I would use my 15-minute break crawl under my desk and take a 15 minute nap <laughs> which like who can take a 15 minutes I'm like barely getting in like, no, it, like it works for me I just tell my brain this is the amount set of time timer go <laughs> amazing but anyway but I used to like be almost embarrassed of it and now I've just embraced I think it's my thing if I'm gonna wake up at five and yeah, for me it's right. like a and you are it works so for early. me yeah. Anyway, but I'm Carolyn just... will text us and be like, so I woke up at 4.10 this morning. To... I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, holy crap. Anything before 5 is actually, like, still night to <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> <laughs> but it fascinates me. And I used to, like, be embarrassed about it. And now I've just realized we're all totally yeah. different and do yeah. whatever works for you. Yeah. But I am. My naps go in phases. I have a few successful people who inspire me who self-proclaim that they are nappers. No, that's a thing. And it gives me... Um, it gives me license. So I'm just wanting to announce right now to everybody. <laughs> if you're a napper... Good. Embrace it. Nappers yeah. unite. Even if it's 15 minutes, it's okay. Yeah. If it's longer, great. Whatever. Can I also just say with that, something that I did, because I feel like I always, part of the reason why I think I stopped napping too is that it was like, what if, you know, I'm doing all this stuff and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to, and this has happened before, I'll go to lay down for a nap and then I swear he wakes up the within second. 10 minutes or something. Oh, it's tough. And then I feel like I'm just getting in and then it's almost worse. I'm like, I wish I had never laid down. So I think that's part of the reason why I, I like... Um, what's the word? You trained like I, yourself. Yeah, like <laughs> stepped away from the napping because I'm like, it's too painful. It's too painful yeah, to yeah. start. But Terilyn, you actually told me something just like a month ago that I was like, oh, that you can just set a mindset that even if I get 15 minutes, because for me, my mindset is like, if I don't get at least 30, it's it's like moot. I, yeah. It doesn't count. Yeah. But the mindset of like, I have 15 minutes and in this 15 minutes, I'm going to feel rejuvenated and setting the intention before it was kind of mind-blowing to me because I was like, okay, I could yeah. do it. I could nap mm-hmm. for 15 minutes. Yeah. But I think just my mindset has been like, oh, how could I even? And you, know? you don't have to sleep because if you think you have to sleep, then it can be anxiety-creating. Yeah. Yeah. So it's simply I'm just going to focus on my breath and get as relaxed as I can, and I almost always fall asleep. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, it's still a success. Right, yes. Like so you just get into that <laughs> yeah, low state, yep. Yep. and it's good. And that's Felicia, so. you're like a master at that. I, well, just, that's what I do. Yeah, I just use it as like a meditation because I found that exactly what you're saying. When I would try to have it be a time to sleep, I literally would get anxiety. Like, oh no, I'm not falling asleep and this is my time to sleep. No, 10 but, minutes so I'm not sleeping. Night, yeah. yeah, I'm wasting it. It's a waste of time. But when I changed it to just a, your a meditation resting time, yeah. Yeah. then. So. Okay, well, I'm so, glad we covered. Yeah, <laughs> covered that. We covered naps. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> so anyway, um, then basically, so after, you know, whether you nap or not, chores, what, so if my kid's napping, then usually he gets up, you know, around 2.30 or 3 or something, usually around 4, I do a dinner prep, and then we have dinner around 5.30, which um, obviously right now we don't really have any other, we don't have kids that have practices or anything, so we always have dinner together. That's mm-hmm. pretty rare that we don't, mm-hmm. but there are so many great um you know, studies and research that talk about like how dinner together every night, like if you're to, if you're going to do one thing for like the unity and like goodness of your children, that's a really good, it's like mm-hmm. a meal together. So mm-hmm. if dinner doesn't work for your family, even choosing, you know, if it's breakfast, whatever, you choose something that like you're eating together and how important it is. Can I just add to that, that, I mean, cause again, we're all at different stages. I'm looking at, so we all have this written down. I'm looking at your schedule and I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. <laughs> but I just want to say about that thing with dinner, that even when you have dinner at because we have activities some night, well, a lot of nights. Um, but I found that with my family, it doesn't matter if we're eating dinner at 7.30, which is two hours later than we normally eat it. 
we still, the sitting down together is totally worth it. So mm-hmm. as, as you change into different stages, I think that still sitting down and eating food, and it means I actually have to give half my kids snacks mm-hmm. to get to that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we'll eat an apple at four with peanut butter or whatever. Um, but I think you can, I think that goal that you have now is worthwhile. Because it's the infrastructure and, in place. And still mostly attainable, mm-hmm. even as schedules totally transform, you yeah. know? Totally. I think it's a beautiful practice. Something, too, that I really love at dinner times, because um, I think, I don't know if anybody else feels like this, but especially since becoming a mom, sometimes I, like, I love, something that I've always loved is when Cameron is like, oh, how was your day? And I love it. Like, it's like, for some reason, that is just, like, a good connecting point for me. But since having a baby, my day is obviously a little bit different, and sometimes it's really easy to be like, well, you know, I did all the normal stuff that's kind of boring. You know, I emptied the dishwasher. I yeah. changed his diaper yeah. six times. You know, like, the there's certain things yesterday. where mm-hmm. even when he asks, I'm like, ah, oh, like, I feel like it was a great day, but do I really? So some some things that I really like asking and um, that we do is we do, not that we're like, okay, this is our question prompt. It's not that formal, but I do love asking, like, what was your highlight and a low light of the day? Because then it kind of, like, then it does start conversations of like, oh, yeah, that actually was kind of hard for me, and here's why. Or, like, this is a big success for me, mm-hmm. and here's why. Like, it kind of, like, deepens it a little more than mm-hmm. like kind of the superficial like well I did this and then I did this and who you know mm-hmm. and I feel like for him too he's like just been through this long day and it kind of like brings out like maybe the good and bad and then it, anyway so we've liked doing mm-hmm. that other things that I think we started either because we heard it you know in a talk or something was um asking like how did like and we've come up with it even like during the month of like oh let's let's try and focus on this like who was someone that you helped today. And I, mm-hmm. I remember hearing in a talk and I really liked that and I liked doing that again. My kid isn't old enough to be able to really respond to any of these prompts, but I like it because then during the day you're almost thinking like, okay, how, mm-hmm. how am I helping someone so that then when I talk about it, anyway, it just kind of like brings like our focus to helping others. Mm-hmm. Or so anyway, different things like that or we'll even ask like, what are some things that we're grateful for? And again, it just kind of like deepens the conversation and makes it meaningful and I feel like we learn something about each other and about our days. It's more like deeper than the superficial, mm-hmm. which has been fun. I, like I that. love that. Do you guys do any prompts for dinner? Yeah, we do. I feel like I've tested out a couple, and you know how some stick and some don't. But two that that have stuck for our family. One is what's something in your day that maybe didn't go as how you liked that you could have done better like Mm -hmm. what's one thing that maybe you could have so my kids are still little but it's amazing what they come up with it's like you know I left my bike out and then the sprinklers got and got kind of rusty you know like they come up it's amazing what they actually come up with even when they're little and then the other one that actually is from Richard and Linda Ayer Ayer I'm not sure how they pronounce their last name we need to look that up but that I really love is um, they talk about serendipity a lot. It's one of their mm. favorite life things. And they mm. actually have a book about spiritual serendipity, but they talk about serendipity in parenting. And so, or, you know, you can do this in any stage of life, but just looking for, you have to do it at the end of the day. You can't plan for serendipity, right? Cause it's mm-hmm. random. Mm-hmm. So they say, you know, at dinner or at bedtime, they'll look for what was a serendipitous moment. So it's, when you really wanted to go do get the dishes done, but your, you know, your three-year-old was showing you a butterfly, and instead you took that moment to look at the butterfly, and you had this whole, it was like a moment mm. of serendipity. But mm. what's cool is when you look back on it, when you look back on your day and find them, then the next day you start to look for them. Mm, so it's like kind it. of like a forward-moving oh, like process. 
Anyways, yeah. so that's been, we've only been thinking about that for probably, you know, three weeks now. But it really is magical. Like, I'll have moments in the day and be like, oh, no, serendipity right here. Like, don't this do that thing. Like, this is the moment, you know? Yeah, that's so, cool. Anyways, I, like I think that. that's, like, a magical moment. Oh, like my that. goodness. I Try. love that. Yeah, it's sweet. I'm yeah. using it as, like, that. a time yeah. to reflect over your day. Because it's true. I feel like when we reflect, then you can see it. Like, you yeah. can see it clearer in yeah. the future, which is yeah. cool. And then yeah. you create it. You yeah. notice yeah. it later. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm going to have to try that. Our only prompts that we regularly do, we switch off. Sometimes we'll play a little. There's, like, little games you can actually you ask each other questions. That are made for connecting over dinner. Uh, but the ones that have stuck with us for years that we always do is just, we all say something that we're grateful for. So every night, it's the same concept. You're looking for it. You know mm-hmm. you're going to be asked the question. Mm-hmm. So we all share what we're grateful for. And then we do, we've started after our podcast doing the high five and face palm. Oh, palm. I love that. But the fun thing about that is, first of all, it stops the, like I have one daughter who literally, you're like, how was your day? And she's like, well, I woke up <laughs> and then I walked upstairs. <laughs> and you know what I mean? So, I think I know which one it is. <laughs> So it gives more of a, you know, everybody can talk if you just say, (laughs) what was the high five on the facepalm? But the other thing, the creator of Spanx, her, she has inspired me with this. She said her dad would encourage, like applaud anytime she'd try and fail. Mm. And so with our facepalms, I try to, like if a kid says, I tried this and it didn't work, or I was learning this and it was really hard, Mm. we actually take a minute and like either actually physically applaud or I say, so that feeling, I want them to like lean into the feeling of something. Like when your brain can't really grasp something, instead mm-hmm. of being like, I hate this, mm-hmm. I want them to learn to be like, I'm going to keep reaching. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to lean into that feeling. Or I tried this and I didn't like it. Like my daughter was at a piano recital and she didn't know anybody in the back. It was like people all over the state and they had to sit backstage for like an hour and a half. And she had a book. And we actually got to talk about how, like, I didn't, she didn't know anybody to sit by. And I was like, most people, when they feel that feeling of not belonging, they just want to block it. Like, mm-hmm. I hate this feeling. And the options are either make a friend or lean into the feeling of just being okay being by yourself. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to, like, pull out a phone and numb it, right? Mm-hmm. So we actually got to, like, talk about. So that felt hard. Here's, like, healthy ways to lean into that feeling. Mm-hmm. And so it's a kind of a fun chance to either encourage trying and not making something or the feeling of something being kind of like, ooh, that was kind of hard. How did yeah. it feel? So I've kind of, again, being inspired I by the – I can't remember her name, but the, you guys know who I'm talking about. Yeah. She created Spanx, mm-hmm. and her dad literally would be like, you tried it for the volleyball team? You didn't make it? Congratulations. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Good. really emphasize that mm-hmm. it's okay to try things and fail them. Yeah, I like that. Anyway, so those are the only two things that have actually stuck over the years for us, but I'm going to have to try serendipity. I want to try the try and fail thing. Yeah. I love that. That's cool. Okay, I love it. So when you said you have, I just want to know, like, there's, like, different questions that you can ask to connect over dinner. Are these like cards that you have or yeah. did you just My daughter when she was in first grade for Christmas, her teacher had to make this little present. It's literally like a Pringles can with a bunch of connecting questions inside oh, cool. of it. Chick-fil-A also one time gave out a little game, but like they're literally like dinner time games. And it's cool. questions like when's the last time you cried? Who is somebody you helped today? And it's kind of fun because it's different questions. Yeah, and it brings out some so thought and yeah. We'll play connected. that maybe like once a month. We'll get it out. And cool. That's okay, I like that. I, I really like that. Um, so cool. Yeah. So after dinner, yeah, moving on with like some of the other part of the routine. After dinner, we usually do, um, you know, we'll we'll hang out together. We'll clean up dinner, and then we usually do like prayer and a little bit of like some scripture reading. And and for us again with like the with a baby, we mostly just do a scripture or, or a quote or something that we have memorized because we've started that, but we just do like a short one and we'll do that with him. And then we lay the baby down 
and then it's just me and Cam time, which is awesome. And, um, and you know, like that ranges from just anything from either we'll do something together outside um, or we'll watch a show or whatever. And that's just kind of our connecting time. Um, so that's kind of like our main routine schedule. Some things that I definitely like from the book that I, again, that I want to implement, that I felt like I could implement even now with a small child is I really loved the idea because I feel like service, like I want that to be an interwoven thing in our family. But sometimes when I think of service as, so like, I mean this in like our weekly planning, I thought like, how can I kind of think about this in my weekly planning of how I'm going to help this be a part of my family, like dynamic, Mm -hmm. because I feel like with a baby, and again, I don't know if either of you have felt like this or if anybody else has felt like this, but it's hard to do like, oh, I'm going to go to the you know, to the canning mill or the pasta mill. Like, my baby is going to be a nightmare there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way I'm going to do that, mm-hmm. something like that. But there are for sure other ways that I can serve with my baby and do things that might look a little different than maybe some of those formal things. But, like, I want to start it now because why Why not? Mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking about, like, as part of my weekly planning, kind of putting that in there, like, what are some things that I can maybe do that are planned to have that even now start as part of like my family culture of like, Mm -hmm. this is what we do. Cause I do feel like, especially after reading the book, I was reminded of how important it is for us, our kids to be a part of service and having it be a fun thing, like having it be part of what we do and how that, which is what that brings. A natural thing instead of a big to do. Yeah. But it's just like, how can we serve someone this week as part of who we are? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. All right. So I'm going to go into a little bit of, our daily schedule and rhythms here. Um, So for us, this is also going to be a more school year type rundown. Summer is just like fun and crazy, but this is, you know, as we start into this new school year, what we are doing this year, we, I'm homeschooling Cohen, he's in first grade, and then Lennon, he's four. So, you know, he, he joins us sometimes, and then we have the two little ones. So I feel like my schedule is a mix of Caitlin's and Terlin's, but we, so I wake up and do my miracle morning and with an, a newborn right now, it's a little more condensed, but I was telling Parker last night, I feel like I have this battle between my nighttime self who wants to like stay up late and eat treats and <laughs> just like party because mm-hmm. I'm an adult and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and then, and my rebel personality. And then I have my morning personality who wants to wake up at like five and do like a million things before my kids wake up uh-huh. so I feel like they're fighting each other oh, so yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find that good good balance right now I'm with you yeah it's, it's hard it's the so battle's hard. real it's real they're like two different personalities <laughs> but then when my kids wake up I do a little version of a miracle morning with them and I know um Terlin also does this but for my boys um we just pray do a little Um, I'm talking like 10 breath, super simple meditation. And then um, our scripture or quote or anything that we're memorizing, usually in the morning we do some sort of scripture. And then they do what they call their ninja morning. But I love that. (laughs) So taken from the entitlement trap, the entitlement trap has a really um, wide ranging system for creating ownership in your home and through money. So having our kids buy, do do household things that then they can earn money, which we're already spending on them, really, um, to buy things that they, that they need and want. So in the entitlement trap, they have their kids 
by pretty much everything besides their food and like the the roof over their head and then um, any, you know, like piano or things that they see mm -hmm. as a family value that they want them to do. Mm -hmm. Everything else the kids buy. So like their clothes, their toys, you know, if they want to treat, if they want to go to the movies with their friends, anything extra like that the kids buy. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us think, well, clothes aren't extra, they need clothes. But it's really cool when you hear in the book, some kids don't need clothes. They mm -hmm. get by with their three shirts and they don't care. Yeah, they love Which it. Which is now called a capsule wardrobe. Right. <laughs> they're so. very entrenched. <laughs> true. So true. But it's interesting. And they do it when they're after eight. The right. full blown, like you're right. buying everything. Mm -hmm. And, and they have. dabbling yeah. with it when they're yeah. younger. Yeah. yeah, so we're sprinkling this in a little bit. And the system that has worked for me, their system, and if you want to go deep in it, I definitely recommend the book if you're feeling like, mm -hmm. well, we need like an overhaul of how we're spending money with our kids or you know, allowance. But for me, this is how we've dabbled it in. We have four points basically that they can earn in the day. And we just keep track of them on little note cards that they, at the end of the day, bring to me. I mark off if they did their points and we put them in our quote family bank, which is just like a little chest and they get a quarter for each point. Oh, so that's basically a nice. dollar a day. And for us, we haven't gotten deep into this. We've only been doing it for three weeks, but my kids, I tell them they they need to buy any wants. So it's treats. Like if we go out to lunch and I buy the food, but they want to spend their money on an ice cream, they can. Mm -hmm. So it's like that. So yeah. it's like extra. I if they it. want a toy, I don't buy any toys. Or, mm. you know, so just like, so that's different for every family. But that's how it works for us. So there are four points that they can earn. The first one is doing their morning time. So that is getting dressed, do their hair, make their bed, and do their morning chore, which for my boys is put away the dishes and load the dishwasher. So Ooh, nice. that's their morning point. They do it together? They do it together, oh, the dishes, cute. yeah. Is Sunny uh, involved in this, or is this more like Lennon and Cohen? Just Lennon and Cohen, yeah. Okay, okay. Good clarification. Four-year-old, six-year-old. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we do our homeschool learning time, and that's their second point, participation in that time. So if they're like running around or being crazy, um, it's kind of nice because it takes away that like power struggle for me. Just later, it's like, oh yeah, I remember you weren't like paying attention during learning time. So they just don't get the point later. Yeah. And it's interesting. I thought the first time that happened, they'd be like, what? No, like, let me go back and get that point. They're just like, oh yeah. Like it, it kind of, you know, when we talk about in discipline, when you can like turn it to a, th almost like a third party thing, like, how do I describe this? Like, you know, no, that's just the time on your clock. You can't come out of your room until the time on your clock. It's like removing it from your power struggle. That's how I feel about mm. these, how these points have worked a little bit, which I really like. That they're in, con they're yeah, in control. control. And they can right. look back and see. And you enforce yeah. it and you're the boundary holder, but right. they're responsible for their own actions. I yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. So that's when we do, so we do that before lunch, little learning time. And then usually while I make lunch, it's just like free play or we'll go for like a play date or go to a park during that lunch playing time. Um, and then we do quiet time, which I wanted to uh, quickly touch on how this looks for us because a lot of people ask us about quiet time. Cohen and Lennon both don't nap. Sometimes Lennon falls asleep random places, but he doesn't purposely <laughs> nap. <laughs> and so their quiet time is, I have found for my boys, I have to separate them for the first part of quiet time. Usually that's mm. about half hour to 45 minutes or else it turns into loud time. They just mm. like play and make up games, which is great, but 
I found for their little brains, they really do need, like, completely alone, mm-hmm. like, little quiet time. So so they're separated and do, you know, usually it's, like, they listen to an audiobook or do Legos. And I use this time, the same as nap time, to sometimes meditate nap. <laughs> as we talked about before, I do chores. I work a little bit. Um, and then after quiet time is when they earn their third point doing their zone and this is a concept out of entitlement trap where your child has a section of your home that they're in charge of Mm, and Terrell and I think you do this too Mm -hmm. right with your zone so they have for Lennon it's like our front foyer where all the shoes are and stuff (laughs) because that is always a mess and it's not my shoes and then the living room area and then Cohen has outside because outside is a big problem for us my kids mostly play outside so like at the end of the day they'll go to bed and parker and i will walk outside and there's like 45 bikes and 10 scooters and like all the balls everywhere so that's his zone and that's how they earn their third point is by tidying up their zone um and then you know during this time is usually when i do dinner prep and this is something that i'm reworking because i feel like i was i got to a point of dinner time just felt dinner prepping felt impossible slash just chaos with a new baby. Mm, But when I think of how I want my prepping for dinner to be, I don't like that because I love to cook. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, if it's one thing if you wanted, I think I could have evaluated it and thought, well, that's fine. I'm just going to do like easy dinners, grab a pizza. But I, I knew that my, how I see myself is, as a cook, I, I really love cooking. And I've always loved cooking with my kids, but it was feeling just, like, hmm. not fun at all. Mm, that yeah. time was just, like, stressful for me. So that is in construction. I don't know I don't know what it's going to look like, but right now um, I'm waiting. I don't start cooking dinner until Parker comes home. And then I either just get to cook by myself or I'll choose a kid to help me cook dinner. And that's kind of a fun connecting time. But with a new baby, I have to, I can't even do it before he gets home. It's just not in my capacity. So that's my dinner prep time. Okay, I have a couple questions. So with the dinner thing, because I love the idea, and I feel like your kids are, they're so fun to cook with because they've done it with you, and mm-hmm. they, like, they, like, love it. You can mm-hmm. tell they're little chefs. Yeah. I love talking with Cohen. He, like, <laughs> he'll, like, taste things and be like, ooh, I think it needs some more of this. I'm like, you are, you know, he was, like, three at the time. I'm like, how is this possible? But, um, so more rosemary. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? Dash I, I don't know that, and I'm 27, you know. But, um, do you feel, so... When was an age that you kind of started to, like, do it? Because I would love to do that with Emmett, but also there's just a time where it's just not doable, you right. know? Yeah. So, right. like, when did you kind of start them doing the cooking with you? Because I love that. Yeah. I, love it. I think, so, with Cohen, it was a little bit earlier because I only had to manage him. Yeah. And so I would say probably around two-ish. So does Sunny kind of dabble in that with you now? Yeah, yeah. and Sunny okay. really loves it. Um, and I think it's hard because, obviously, you can't, you can't feel any sort of, like, guilt with each kid because every kid is different. But sure. Cohen definitely got that time a lot more because it was just, just totally him. quiet. Yeah. And he could just be there, and I could teach him how to use the knife. And then Len, Lennon actually got it pretty good, too. And so that was actually one of my big things with switching how I do dinner is I want, to, I want Sunny and Wes, when she's a little bit older, to be able to have that time. And so um, right now... I'm taking Sunny aside a lot of the times. He's the one who's helping me cook mm. because, yeah, it's harder with more kids to get them involved with the cooking. It really is. Mm-hmm. But 
yeah, so we're trying to focus on that a little bit more. But I would say probably two, two and a half when they can, like, hold utensils really yeah. well yeah. is a good time. I like it. Um, and then, so on that note, Tarlin and I have talked a little bit about our essentials in past episodes, and we'll link those in our show notes. But um, just quickly, my essentials. So I think this is really important if you're homeschooling your kids this year, because which a lot more people are. Um, is to look at what are your non-negotiables for the day. For us, that's, you know, the, the little miracle morning. So like prayer, scripture, and then our essentials for learning are that we read together. And that's just simply read aloud. Um, do I found now with Cohen being a little older, doing a little bit of math because I, I think it compounds. Like just doing a little bit every single day is really helpful. And then playing outside. Those are my non-negotiables for um, my kids for the day. And it's really nice to have that set, have that set. Because then if you don't get to all these other grand ideas you have for your, for your homeschool or for your day, which you probably won't when you have kids, at least in my experience, um, you don't beat yourself up. Yeah. You've checked off that list and it's just like, wow, we've done that. And now everything else on top of that is just a bonus. Yeah. So I really like, and I think you have to set aside time to think about what are my essentials? What are the things? Because if you don't intentionally um, figure out what they are, you, I found for me, Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't do any of them. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds little, but it's just being intentional. Um, And then, you know, our, our night differs. um, And I don't, you know, our bedtime is fairly similar every single day I actually don't like bedtime at all (laughs) it's like a part of a day that I don't like enjoy like I feel like all my I use my connecting juice up in the Mm -hmm. beginning of the day Mm -hmm. so bedtime isn't like my for some people bedtime is a huge connecting point for me it's like go go pee brush your teeth and meet me in your bed and I'll say a prayer and say goodnight like I just Mm-hmm. It's just not like my energy is kind of used up. So we don't use that for a big part of our connecting or any of our essentials. Like I like to do those all before. But for some people, that's like a huge time. So if it if you are more of a nighttime energy person, then I think adding some of those essentials in at night could be really helpful. Um, and then just I wanted to touch on a couple things within the entitlement trap that I really loved. And the first one is just creating ownership within your family. And that's like the the heir's whole concept is that entitlement in our kids stems from a lack of ownership. So if they just feel like your house and everything in it just flows freely so they can pour out the whole cereal box all over the floor and you'll just replace their bike tariff every time mm-hmm. it goes flat. And if they're if they're out of shirts, they're just going to magically appear in those in their drawer. I think those are all things that as parents, if you look around, we, we naturally do all of those things for our kids and just replace stuff and take care of stuff for them. And I feel like we just hit a point where our oldest is six, where it's like, oh my gosh, he doesn't even know that the work. Come from. The ta- yeah. He has no idea. Mm-hmm. And I think in generations past, that didn't really happen as much. Like kids did have more awareness of where stuff comes from and money. So I just like that thought. If you can just have that thought on your mind that in order for them to take care of stuff, I think a lot of the times we get mad at our kids, you didn't take care of this. Like, what are you thinking? You left it out in the yard. You just, do you know how much this costs? And it's like, 
they have don't. no idea. Yeah. They actually don't. So instead of having it be a negative thing, if you can proactively build in that that ownership of things. Mm-hmm. And it's just so just switching that mindset of, oh, if they earned through doing their points for the day, their new Nerf gun, they're probably not going to leave it at the park. And if yeah. they do, they're going to learn the consequence of buying the new Nerf gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just love just this, that mm-hmm. concept from the book. And it's thrilling, I think. First of all, they cover that entitlement is an issue of across all social totally. classes. Totally. I do think the time we live now is easier to become entitled because instead of looking at children who are coming to add to the family work, it's like us as parents, let's work to just support our children's mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it because the way they say it is ownership is literally the antidote to entitlement. Mm -hmm. And you can do that in any situation. You don't have to live on a farm to do that. Mm -hmm. You can do it in any way you want. But the ownership also doesn't just apply to money and things, but to education and their bodies and their Mm -hmm. minds. Mm -hmm. And if you can teach ownership, I mean, it's really a liberating concept, I think, as parents Mm -hmm. and as kids. Because nobody likes feeling like somebody else is like just running the show for them. They have no control of their own lives. Mm-hmm. But to raise them into adults who have ownership of their own lives, I think is the goal of all of us as parents. So to me, every time, every time when I say every time, literally, this is the third time I've read this book, it's like this feeling of like, I think all of us have like the entitlement thing nagging at the back of mm-hmm. our minds. Like, oh, am I doing, am I going to just raise kids who are like, Brats and yeah. who cares about, you know, college? Because my parents are paying for it. Mm-hmm. But if you just, it isn't like you're spending anymore. You're just filtering all of the things, everything you teach through the through them and allowing them to have ownership of it. It's brilliant. And I think it goes along so well with respectful parenting because you're treating them as a whole person it's who has in their lives. the ability to have ownership over mm-hmm. things. You know, mm-hmm. it's really, mm-hmm. I think, seriously, I just feel so free when I like anytime I focus on this concept with my kids it feels like it frees me so much totally totally and I think if if you want if you have older kids and want to dive deep I would definitely say to read this book because there's so much in the system little nuances yeah but if you want to start small I think some good tips with little kids um is to give them just a a little high level breakdown of our house requires these things to be done to keep it running and it requires money for it to run and buy all these things these all these things cost money and that they can be part of both of them so if you want to contribute you can be part of that system and when i brought that up to my kids they they both really want it i think kids crave that ownership they mm-hmm. don't, oh, totally. they don't own anything mm-hmm. you know so just kind of explaining that to them. And then I think starting with um, with little kids, if you can do an overhaul of the spaces that they play in, so their toys for sure have the exact place they go, that sounds so simple, but little kids can't clean up if they if they don't know where things go. If, if, the, if the thing doesn't have a space, then it's really hard for them to you know, put their shirts away if they don't know which shirt is a shirt drawer. But I think simply just explaining those things to them um, really, really helps. And if, you, if you're into, like, labeling or drawing little pictures to put on things, that is also super, yeah. super helpful for kids. Um, and then also, this is something that's from the Entitlement Trap. I know, Terlyn, that you also do this, but the, the Gromper Bag. You want to talk about the Gromper bag? Yes. So they have another name for it that I can't even remember. Back when I read it when my oldest was like three, I just made up another word that I liked. and Gummy sack. It, 
gummy. gummy. Yeah. It was There's like gummy or something. Gunny For some reason, I like yeah. gromper better. So I made up the word gromper. And I literally just have a big giant bag. And I have a little a little ditty, a little song that I made up to go with it when the grumper bag comes out. Mm-hmm. And it's just any toys that are left out get eaten by the grumper bag. And then the idea is every Saturday the grumper bag can come out and he throws up the toys on the living room floor. And if they want to put them away, then they can. If they don't put them away, then I just donate them. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is most of the time they don't even care about the toys. Like yeah. if they've been gone, you know what I mean? Yeah. They get left out because they don't really care. The ones that do, they do care about, they put away. Yeah. And the ones that they don't, it's like kind of like a nice little filter of like, well, it's obviously not important enough yeah. for you to put away. So anyway, but for me and <laughs> mine, the thing I love about the Gromper bag is sometimes it picks stuff up, but oftentimes all I have to do is during our tidies, I'll yep. just start singing the Gromper bag song. <laughs> he says, Gromper bag is hungry. How does this go? Gromper bag is hungry. For all your for girls and boys, Grandpa Bag is hungry for all your toys, and I just sing it mm-hmm. over and over. And they, as soon as they like, hear the song, oh. yeah. they just put all their stuff yeah. away. So my Grandpa Bag actually rarely eats anything because, <laughs> and it's funny. Like I don't make it into like a scary thing. Yeah. I'm not like, oh my gosh, he's gonna eat all your toys. Mm-hmm. I like get him out. I'm like he'll like cry even like mm-hmm. there's no toys out. Mm-hmm. I'm so hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a, just a fun thing that makes him laugh. Although my daughter doesn't like the Grandpa Bag. She's <laughs> like. Uh, my second. Okay. <laughs> she's nine now, but she's never really liked the grandpa bag. <laughs> and she's like, I don't like this one, but it works so well. And all my other kids love it. Yes. And she doesn't like hate it. She's just like, I just wish he wouldn't even come out. I'm like, because you want because you want to leave your stuff out, but we can't do that. Anyway, That's so funny. I just love it because it just prevent it just makes them actually pick up their stuff. And if they don't pick it up, I don't have to, I'm not putting it away. I'm not going to sort through their toys yep. and take it. I just put it all in a bag. So it makes it way easier for me. It's a nice little filtering system for the toys that they don't really care about. And most of the time, it just makes them actually pick them up. And it's yes. fun. It's, yes. It's yeah. not a punishment. It's not like this terrible thing. It's just a fun yes. way. So that's actually probably my favorite hack from the whole book is yes. the grumper bag. Me too. How often do you do it? Like, is it is it like a regular thing or is it just There's whenever you feel like you need to? I just do whatever I want. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. it's while we're tidying. I don't just like, we're eating dinner and I'm like, oh, the grandpa bag's coming out. Yes. I'll be like, we're tidying. And I notice they're not tidying. They're yes. sitting, you know, yes. playing still. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, just so you know. So we do, we measure our tidies by songs. So we'll do like a three song tidy and we jam the music and I'll say like, okay, so at the end of the song, that's when the grandpa bag's going to come out. And it usually like gives them just the incentive to actually get up and finish their tidy. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, right. So yeah, it's during tidy time that he comes out. Okay. Okay. And you can use any sort of bag. We I just used a plain garbage bag, and I'll, like, rustle it, and that's, like, his noise that gets them, like, going. And it really is such a fun fun thing, and I think it teaches them a really cool, cool concept. Um, so a couple other things from the book that I love that I've incorporated is the idea of doing – making your decisions in advance. Um, so the heirs talk about this – in bigger areas when it comes to older kids, like, you know, like, am I going to use drugs or drink or maybe it's have sex before a certain age or before I before I get married. But I think you can teach decisions in advance with little kids and just have them start having that concept. So maybe it's, hey, did you notice how that kid was treating that other kid? You know, that's called bullying. And, and kind of explaining that concept and say something like, do you... Do you think that that's a good idea? How do you think that kid feels? And can we make the decision 
that when you go to school, you won't bully other kids. And, and kind of talking about those little things that we know are going to come up in childhood. It's the same things that come up in childhood mm -hmm. as we go through. And so I think as parents, we can look ahead when it's age appropriate and say, can we make these decisions in advance before you get there? Um, and you can have that as part of your identity instead of in the moment having to make an impulse choice is really hard for kids. Yeah. So I love that. And they even recommend, I love this, I do this with my older kids, and my younger boys have a journal, but I don't enforce it. It's just if they want to. Mm -hmm. But with my older kids, they actually recommend at the, the back of your journal, like the last couple pages of your journal, you actually write, decisions I will make in advance. And you actually have them write the decision and then sign and date it. So, mm. for example, I will not do take in illegal drugs, mm -hmm. right? And you sign and date it. But they also recommend the rule of they can't do more than one of those commitments a month mm. because you want to be able to really talk about it and like really make a big deal of like you are committing to this mm -hmm. and this is your thing. So I don't push the no drugs thing. Mm -hmm. We can talk about drugs. We can have, you know, case studies, like share an example of our friend who ruined his life because of it. But then it's up to them to choose that commitment themselves. Again, you're giving them ownership. You're not just forcing it down their throats. Mm -hmm. And my girls have loved that concept in the back of their journals. They think it's so fun. That's cool. And the thing I love about it, because when we're talking about things of ex making decisions ahead of time, uh, we even do it on little things. So like, for example, during the week, we're like, how can we make us do Miracle Morning this week? We get out our stuff ahead of time. We make sure our baskets are ready on Sunday, our Miracle Morning baskets. How can we make our mornings good? We get out our clothes the night before. So it really kind of leads into a nice discussion that can go all the way down to toddlers of mm -hmm. what decision can we make today that we'll be grateful we made tomorrow? Mm -hmm. You know, like it's kind of I a like fun mm -hmm. way to incorporate it for all ages. But on those bigger things, it's really fun when you're a kid. I mean, I would love it for my daughter when she's 17 to say, you know, maybe her friends want her to steal. And mm -hmm. I would love it if she was like, I, I promised myself when I was 11 mm -hmm. that I would never steal. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm not going to. Like, right. I signed it. You right. know what I, mean? I don't know. Right. I love yeah. that Setting idea. powerful about promises to yourself. To yourself. Yeah. Totally. I, I feel like um, not that our parents did like, like we didn't write it down or anything, but I definitely remember having those talks. And, and the idea was if you make it now, like before you're even going to be exposed to drugs or anything mm -hmm. or whatever it is, it's just so much easier because mm. you've already done it five years before and it's something that you just know to yourself. And I do think there's a lot of power in that, which is mm -hmm. really cool. Mm -hmm. um, and we also do, you know, during breakfast, I'll kind of give my kids a rundown of the day. And I think that is really empowering for them to know what's coming. Um, we do a weekly meeting as well on Sundays. And then I love the idea of having a monthly intention or value this also comes from the entitlement trap but um basically they have a list of of values like integrity courage love different uh a value for each month i think it's powerful to come up with your values as a family if this is something that you think would be fun to focus on so for us we have a monthly value and for august it was courage and then any sort of learning time that we have together as a family or maybe if we're going on vacation or an adventure or even if we watch a movie for our family movie night in the week we try to base it around that value and it, that sounds complicated but it's not it's really simple so it's like if our value is courage then we watch you know like we watch the brave little toaster and mm -hmm. we talk about oh my gosh she was really brave and courageous during that part of the movie it's just super simple but um, kind of enforcing those big picture things 
Because again, I think we can go through our whole life thinking that an infrastructure or doing stuff like this is a lot, but then we look back and we never did anything. Mm -hmm. It's really those small little things that that might not seem like a big deal to when you're climbing a tree at the park, be like, oh, this month month is courage. I'm going to talk about it right now. But it builds. And I think our kids remember those little, those little tiny things and those little goals that we set. The thing that I liked in the book that it talked about too is that, so every year, August is always courage. Right. So then they, they talked about it that then the next year you can almost look back and see like, oh yeah, last year we were talking about courage, but like look at kind of how we're building upon those same mm-hmm. things. Like you can see almost the progress over the years because every every August you've been talking about it. So you can kind of see the progress over the years, which I mm-hmm. like that I idea. really love that. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that it builds on itself. All right, we are going to take a little break and come back with uh, Terlin's schedule. We want to tell you about a new parenting community In this time, we all need support. We all need a tribe. And our friend, Dr. Mary Wild, who we've had on the podcast before, just started a parenting community called Compassion Parenting. It's for caregivers and parents to find support in respectful, authentic, loving parenting. We're going to link that in our show notes. We think it would be a great resource for all of you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so I've kind of been sharing my stuff throughout as these wonderful ladies have been sharing their schedules. So really, I'm just going to focus on a couple of things here that are hacks that I've either learned from the book Entitlement Trap over the years or that I've uh, practiced and that they work really well for my family. A couple things are, I think for me in the morning, so my oldest is 11 And so two of my kids now, when they're seven, they start a musical instrument and I have them practice their musical instrument before anything in the morning. So they wake up a half an hour before everybody else. Well, not before me, but (laughs) before the other kids and they just practice. The thing I love about this is it's never a nagging thing. It's never a power struggle. I'm never like, did you practice your piano today? You didn't do it now, right in the middle of their playing. And they're Mm -hmm. like, mom, I hate it. They just literally know they wake up, they do it. It's Mm -hmm. fantastic. That's awesome. I love that. And then I also have them read. We put them to bed in enough time that they can just read at night in bed until they're tired. So they're listening to their own body cues. Again, no power struggle over reading. They think it's awesome because they get to be reading. As late as they want. Exactly. (laughs) But listening to their own body cues. So those are two just little hacks in my schedule that I love. Things that can be power struggles just aren't anymore. 
because of just where they are. And my kids know that's where they take place in the day. Uh, I do, I've talked so much about my morning routine, but with my kids, our very short miracle morning that we do before they go to school, so they do music practice, they each do a chore right after music practice, so it's emptying the dishwasher, sweeping the kitchen floor for my older two, and uh, my younger one, my, my six-year-old, he just wipes off the kitchen table, and then they do breakfast. We, for our miracle morning, just look at the day, just a quick planning of the day. We do a few breaths, so it's usually five to seven breaths. We visualize just like sending out light to the day. We kind of just do a quick like, it's gonna go like this, it's gonna be a great day. We say a prayer, we do our memorizing scripture and our memorizing either poem or historical document, which I have a whole episode about that that I will link. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so literally, our my Miracle Morning with my kids takes about five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's so short. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just before, and then we go to school. If I'm doing a little longer one, we'll do some like soccer dribbling or basketball dribbling or dance turns, whatever my kids are working on at the time. But I'm going to say 90% of the time, we just do the five-minute version and that's it. Um, then for me, uh, all this stuff is so similar to these two, so I'm not even going to go over them. But a couple little things that I have found super, super helpful is I like we make our sandwiches ahead of time on Sunday together for the week. All and of we, them? we freeze them. Oh. For their home lunches. Nice. Mm. I don't know why I didn't think of that before. That's cool. But I'm just sharing that in case it changes your coldness. life. And, and they're still fresh because they've been frozen. Yeah. And so, and it's so fun. And they love making them. The thing that in the entitlement trap they really focus on is that oftentimes in parenting books, there's a bajillion parenting books about babies and toddlers because parents are so desperate for help. Mm-hmm. And teenagers because mm-hmm. parents are so desperate for help. And there's this magic space that's the elementary school years. The kids are like hungry for more responsibility mm-hmm. yeah. and they want to help and they actually can help amazingly, totally. not like toddlers, mm-hmm. yeah. that their help is really not help. Right. <laughs> but because it's easier, we just kind of focus on the teenagers and the toddlers, but that that's this amazing chance that we can teach our kids responsibility and just enjoy them. Mm-hmm. So I like love, I mean, they, my kids, I, this week I actually packed their sandwich. I started making their sandwich and they're like, wait, mom. No, we want to help. Like, mm-hmm. they love it. Yep. That's cool. And yeah. I, you know, then I can write their little notes ahead of time, and I'm not in the morning, like, rushing it. So that hack for me is amazing. That's cool. And really, everything else I've kind of talked about, I do all those other things, except mm-hmm. for that I take a nap, and these two don't take a nap. <laughs> but my morning starts at 4.30 or 5 every day. And for me to go through my miracle morning, exercise, or podcast, and get through my three-year-old will still take a nap with me half the time and half the time he just plays quietly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like all my kids know it's like a non-negotiable yeah play quietly yeah or not or take a nap i don't care the sleeping beauty house but just goes we're, down. it's gonna happen uh-huh. how long yeah. is the nap like sorry quiet time for each of you like i just want to know uh an hour, two my hours? quiet time is probably like an hour and a half my okay. naps are usually 20 to 30 minutes okay and then i get stuff done after that but Okay. Yeah, I would say pretty, like, the actual time when it's, like, totally quiet is probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours some days. And then it kind of trickles as people wake up. Because I still have longer napping babies, yeah. so it's maybe a little longer. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. When you have babies who nap for a long time, they are a little longer. But something that I love is that at bedtime also, I am not a, like, energized person at bedtime either. But we do our family, like, scripture study. And I've told you guys this, but this is a super, oh, my goodness, this hack has changed our lives. 
My husband is in charge. We switch off every month. Somebody is in charge of spirituality for the month, and the other person is in charge of romance. Mm -hmm. It's great because both of those things are important things that if you feel like you're always the one instigating it, it starts to get old. So I love it because on my romance month, I feel like I can be way creative and exciting, and it's Mm -hmm. so fun, and Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about it. And when I'm in charge of the spirituality for the month, I can really get into that too. So we do our little, like, at the end of the night, we do, like, a, a scripture lesson before we go to bed and again that can be as short as just reading a scripture or a full lesson and like through our specific religion we have like an actual like little lesson plan that we sometimes do the full thing of but when you're in charge of it for the month and you kind of play it with what works for that night but we always do when we pray together before we go to bed and then this has also changed our lives jeff and i trade off putting the boys to bed my girls then just go and they read right Mm -hmm. in their rooms but my boys who are six and four require more effort to get them to stay in bed and it's I don't want to say life sucking but it might be <laughs> so Jeff and I just trade off every night and since we've traded we maybe did start that like four months ago and I'm like why haven't we been doing this forever well it used to be because I always had a baby so mm-hmm. I was like nursing the baby and he was putting the bigger kids to bed right but now we just switch off and it's amazing and for me I we read a book we do a love bath, which is my affirmation song to them. And then we snuggle for three minutes each. I set a timer. The whole thing probably takes 20, 20-ish minutes. But I only do that every other night. So You get a little break on my, the other night. Yes. And then on the other nights, I just take forever washing my face. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, so those are kind of my little hacks that I do that add to this concept of ownership. And we also do money. But the way we, I mean, like we have them, I have my older girls buy their own stuff, but it's more like a, they get money for speaking Spanish and for taking care of their little brothers and sisters. And so ours isn't a really complicated system, but I have found that when they buy their own things, they take care of it way better. And yeah. when I do give them a surprise gift, they are like, it isn't like a, oh, whatever. Like, I just take this Thank for you. granted. So They're like, Thank you so, so much. Mm-hmm. It's everything you want as a parent. Yeah. Right. So I really love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think the main like the point of the entitlement trap and something that we can all apply to our families, whatever system you use. So whether it's as simple as Terlin with, with her money system, or if you do want to do a more in depth, in depth Mm -hmm. system is, um, just thinking that looking at your, what you want your kids to end up as, as adults and thinking, what are the steps to get there? Mm -hmm. Because there's this big space. And I think a lot of the times is, parents our kids get to a certain age and you're like wait you don't know how to put your pants on and you're five Mm -hmm. I mean that's like an extreme example but we have to teach them along the way we can't just expect that our kids are going to buy their own stuff and take ownership of things or do chores if we never right taught them slowly yeah when they get to college if they don't know how to cook anything it's like well did we teach them how to when they were kids yeah exactly so I just love that about this book definitely listen to it if you're inspired by any of this um And also, we just wanted to say thank you for all of the reviews that you guys leave. They really help us reach new people. And um, also, I think something that is huge, and I know I find my favorite podcasts and books um, through this channel, is um, when people share on social media. So if you like this episode or any of our past episodes, please share it with your friends. Um, We love to grow this community, and interact with more of you. All right, let's find the magic. 
<coughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> Brown cows. 